Hey, girlfriends. <laughs> hey, girlfriends. Welcome to episode two of the Shameless Ambition podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Lindsay. And today we're going to be talking about our childhood ambitions and how they've morphed and led us into where we are today and how they've changed and yeah, so all fun things ambition again. So well, uh, as with the start with any new thing, you got to tell the origin story, right? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it all starts in a place. I was actually taking the notes for talking about this. I was like, oh my god, so much was coming up. In <laughs> hindsight, I was like, oh, I didn't. Have, yeah. So lots to dive into today. We're really excited to be here with you. So thanks for jumping in. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, we're just gonna dive right into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where do we start? Like, it's just one of those things. We've had so many big conversations yeah. about where things like confidence, ambition, passion, our drive to, you know, just pursue our big dreams comes from. And it all just stems from how we grew up. And I think this is going to be a fun conversation for us, though, <laughs> because um, you guys have obviously heard if you've listened to episode one, if you haven't, jump back. So you have some little bit of context. But um, if not, we'll give you the short story. But Lindsay and I have recently become friends within the past couple of years. So we don't really know that much about each other's childhood childhoods. I've had the pleasure of traveling to some of Lindsay's childhood places and hearing some stories, but we don't really, we don't know the like finite details of each other's childhood to a T yet. So I think that there's going to be some information that pops up today that we're going to be like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, um, yeah, you're welcome, listener. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to have this conversation today. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just kick it off with we were literally just having a conversation outside on the deck before we hit record on this podcast about confidence. And yeah. I was having this conversation at lunch on Friday with a girlfriend, and she was confiding in me that it's been a kind of lifelong work in progress for her to build confidence. And, you know, I was super sympathetic and empathetic to that conversation yeah. and, and that struggle. However, oddly, I was just kind of born with it, like Maybelline says. Right? I relate. Like, <laughs> yeah, I relate. It's, we, we have two different views. But yeah, totally. I love like you can keep going with your story. Because yeah, I mean, it's well, it's just it's like, <laughs> it, it really is possible to yeah. just be born a confident yeah, person. So. Like it can just actually be part of your genetic makeup and who you are. And, you know, it's not really something that I ever really had to struggle with in life. My struggle has been learning to rein it in and yeah. learning to um, master the right level of confidence and the right way to show it and the right way to express it. And, oh, girlfriends, I have definitely... It can be equally as hard, right? Because you totally. have so many humbling moments. Well, I was just about to say, I have yeah. ate my fair share of <laughs> humble pie. I can promise you that yeah. over the years. However, it's just, you know, I was so fortunate to have this childhood where dreams were encouraged. I was literally raised with mm. the mentality that I could do anything I set my mind to. And if I was passionate and I believed in something and I was willing to take the time to dedicate to learning it and mastering that craft, I really could become anything that I wanted to be. And I think it speaks a lot to um, your family. Yeah. And I'm not going to go like this is in their podcast. so I'm not going to go into it about them. But Knowing them personally, there was no way in heck that Lindsay or her sister could grow up without the amount of confidence 
from their mom. Like, it, it, but it yeah. does. Like, you can't. Like, I meet your yeah. mom, and I, you know, I meet your family, and I'm like, oh, like, yeah. It's just, but th- that's so beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I, I try to emulate that as a parent yeah. to give my daughter the confidence that your parents, your family gave yeah. you, because I think that's. I mean, that's where it all starts, hence why we're going to childhood. But um, it does start all from like that little grain of salt that it's okay to be confident and then to really like and know why you're confident, totally. you know, and yeah. Well, so. and honestly, thank you for bringing my mom up because she yeah. honestly demonstrated <laughs> such a, you know, powerful level of confidence for her two daughters growing up. Um, you know, the L Bell logo, my sales training company, L Bell Sales Co has my lips in it in pink lipstick, because growing up, I have all these vivid memories of my mom putting on her lipstick. It was like her final touch. It was like her war paint before she would go out and do anything. And I just, I watched her put herself out there. I watched her be shamelessly ambitious and, you know, just be so successful in the process. And she really laid the groundwork for me to just honestly try everything, like just put myself out there. And she is everything. Like literally, (laughs) and again, I'm not going to go into it, but sometimes we'll be in conversation. Lindsay will be like, oh, my mom does that. Like she's literally trained enough. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, but it is, it, it starts with, um, your foundation. So where I'm a little different is, um, I've actually struggled with confidence mm-hmm. my whole life and just, I, and I don't know why, but I, I have, I've always been, um, if lots of people look at me and they're like, you shouldn't be, but I'm like, well, I am. I walk into the room and I feel like the least confident person. It wasn't until I truly found who I was, like who I was to me and what mattered to me and what my passions and my goals and my ethics and my morals were. I actually really had to define that for myself. And then from there, my confidence built because I had confidence in who I was Mm because I knew who I was. I believed in who I was, whether that it had nothing to do with education or skill, which Mm -hmm. is morally, ethically, whatever I felt who I needed to be as a person came from me knowing who I was as a person. So how can you be confident in who you are? you don't know who you are that's right right so i think it's just that process of really like finding our true authentic selves and then i think the confidence if you don't already have it just comes naturally from there what was one of the biggest confidence building moments that you experienced growing up like when you think back on your childhood and like those Mm. pivotal key moments (laughs) where it was just like man you were just like you were proud of yourself you knew that like you were doing the right thing at the right time. And it just felt so authentically you. Yeah. So again, I was jotting down notes the other day after we talked about what episode two, what we kind of, where we wanted to go with it. So I'm jotting down notes just so it's in my mind. And, uh, I go back to this moment and it sounds a little hillbilly. So all my hillbilly girlfriends, let's jump in. Um, I was in 4-H and if you know what 4-H is, it's you raise animals essentially. And they range in the spectrum of what you can raise. I was in beef 4-H and you used to have to walk around and show your steer in a big arena and then hold them there and make them pose really nicely. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds really weird now that I'm saying it back. However, um, I had one that year. And then in 4-H also, you have to do public speaking. And I mean, everyone's scared to public speak. I think that's 
like just for someone to say, I'm not nervous to go public speak, they're probably lying and they're right. probably sh- crapping their pants. Like, <laughs> because there's always a level of nervousness. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I was, I think I was 12 or 13 and we were doing provincial uh, public speaking. So I had made it past my club level and we were in provincial level and I had got, uh, it was in improv. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Okay, so a I flair drew, for the dramatics. Over so I here. draw my yeah. thing, and I have to walk up on stage. And this was probably at this point the biggest crowd that I had ever been in front of, and strangers. So I didn't know anybody, and um, it was top ten embarrassing <laughs> moments. Okay, so I had to go and talk about all of my embarrassing moments. Oh wow! In front of everybody. Um, I mean, Humbling. that seems kind of cruel. Like, why would they make you talk <laughs> so, about but, that? So, but, okay, this is, like, the funny story. This has nothing to do with, you know, with the question. However, like, there was professional photos taken yeah. during that because it was provincials, and I got them back, and I was 12, right? So I was wearing, like, a training bra. Okay. And I had a really cute, like, turtleneck knitted thingy on. I don't know. And it was see-through, I guess. Oh, so no. in all the photos, you could actually see my bra. So Aww. the ironic thing was, is, like, my top most embarrassing moment was that moment. Yeah. And I was talking about <laughs> my most embarrassing moments in life. However, yeah. um, but, no, I, um, I knew in that moment. So I won, actually, that day. And I knew in that moment that I was okay to talk in front of people. Right. And my dad had a really cool conversation with me on the way home that day. And he said, Justine, this is a gift. Aww. And he's like, just so you know. And he's like, it doesn't mean you have to take it anywhere in life. Yeah. But just know that you have a natural gift to overcome that hurdle to talk in front of people. Right. And to seem relatable. And yeah. to seem okay. And to mess up your words and be like, ah. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> I'm or human. Just, or just yeah. like have everyone laugh with you because it's okay because they all know if they were in your shoes, they would be crap in their pants too. Totally. So, you know, it's just the sense of, um, yeah. So that was probably one of my first moments though, that I really felt, um, extremely accomplished right. in something that was not academic based essentially right. or school based, like something outside of school. Um, and then I got a lot of like praise from my dad. So yeah. that was really huge for me, obviously, in that moment. But yeah, that was, what about you? I'm curious to hear. I was oh. like, you're like, okay, so at age three. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Uh, yes. Maybe not so much, but I mean, I used to do a lot of dancing in front of the camera. I have never been shy to, you know, sing and dance. Which I'm and happy you're bringing back. Because like, yeah, it like, makes life is just so too you short know. not yeah. to have fun like yeah. that. And so music has always been a super huge passion of mine. But um, from a very early age, writing has always been something that I have just been in love with. I have read thousands of books in my life. I have written thousands of short stories <laughs> and just random shit. And like, it just has always been something that has just been so naturally a part of who I am. And when I was in, I think it was grade nine, I had a teacher who recognized that I had this particular passion and talent. He had invited a journalist from the da- uh, local newspaper to come out and do a session with our class on journalism and how to write for the paper. And um, we had this contest where it he was going to pick a winner. We all had to write an article and this journalist from the Daily Herald Tribune was going to pick a winner. And I was chosen as the winner. And this teacher of mine, his name, I'll never forget it, is Mr. Biggs. So (laughs) shout out to Jim Biggs. If you ever happen to stumble across this podcast, know that you changed my life, man. And um, he called my parents and just expressed what a natural talent he saw, that he saw the passion in me and that I had this 
potential to be a great writer and potentially a great journalist one day. And because of that phone call to my parents, I had the opportunity to go to writing camp in the summer with the Writers Guild of Alberta. And it was just the first step in my identity as a writer and that really becoming a part of who I am. And I just, ever since I have established that as part of who I am, it's just always felt so reassuring in the sense that like, I know that that's who I am and I know that I'm a writer and I know that I love writing and sharing my thoughts. And like, that's such a huge part of why this podcast is so important to me right now, because it's just (laughs) like, I have so much to share and say. (laughs) We can't can't sit and type it. No, and it's not as fun. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. This we want to hang out with you. So, um, but your story. So as soon as you said writing, I was like, oh yeah, of course she said writing. Um, Lindsay had a chance. We traveled northwestern Alberta. We've said that in podcast one. Um, I had a, a chance to go to Lindsay's aunt and uncle's house, Aww. and she walked me down her nostalgic memory lane. Um, but your aunt actually, I hope this isn't too personal. I'm sorry if it is. Um, shared a poem. That you wrote for your uh, grandma's funeral Mm -hmm. and didn't know Lindsay's grandma, but I was like in tears with this poem. And, um, I've always known you're a great speaker and you're a great, you know, like social media posts. You're, you're so um, articulate, but to read a poem that she had wrote, it was like, it blew my mind. And I was like, Okay. Uh, that was such (laughs) a special moment. Yeah. Such a special day to share with you because it's like, I don't actually have the opportunity to do that very often myself, let alone to bring my best friend (laughs) with me and share my entire childhood with her. Um, But yeah, I have books on books of poetry and there's a part of me that would be slightly embarrassed to publish those to the world these days because I haven't written one in ages, (laughs) but like angsty, you know, 15, 16 year old (laughs) Lindsay, like, man, I would sit in my room and listen to the cranberries and just stew in my thoughts and write some sort of like emo poem about my feelings. And I think that's so great though, that you had an outlet. I, that writing like, has always such been a my healthy outlet. outlet. Yeah. Like that's wonderful that you found that at an age right before you needed it almost. Well, know? but then I've always carried this fear yeah. of like, you know, actually publishing my thoughts. And I heard a saying about what it takes to, you know, put a successful book out into the world is to write it as if no one will ever read it. And I like have no been, hold don't no hold backs yeah. exactly. And like, that's the book that I've been writing my whole life. And that I literally honestly just have to put together, but it's just like, I ask you the question is who, who matters? No, well, one the people right. who matter, we're going to read your book and we're going to love your book. Mm. Cause we already love your life. We love your story. We love your journey. So easy peasy lemons, <laughs> Japanese, all those other haters. I mean, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Get to, yeah, (laughs) but you know, that honestly, on the subject of childhood ambitions, Mm. becoming a published author has been a lifelong ambition of mine. And so it's just like one of those things where here I am, I'm 37. I have shameless ambition these days. And I just wonder like, you know, okay, where's that going to take me? I got to just do it. I know there's a few chapters wrapped. There's several chapters wrote. They're just in random places. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. I know that will. I know you're going to hit that goal. There's no doubt in my mind. I just don't think your journey's done yet. Maybe So I don't think your book's done yet. Maybe not. So I just, um, that's just my opinion. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I don't think if you were to release, you know, like a biography on your life, we're not done yet. Mm -hmm. And so your book's not done yet. 
How can no. you write a book if it's not done yet? Exactly. You know? So that's fair. We're still going. <laughs> <laughs> One day at a time. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Tell me about um, your dad and how he fostered your ambitions and your big dreams yeah. as a kid, because I know you're very, very close with your dad. And yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the big details, but um, my parents divorced when I was eight and I decided to not do what most kids did. And I stayed with my dad um, mostly at the time because I just was comfortable in my home, in my childhood home. I didn't want to leave that. I didn't want to leave my school and my friends. Um, it, me and my dad just ended up getting the best relationship out of it. But I grew up as a farmer or a farmer's daughter. Um, so we had a lot of land, a lot of cattle. So it was a lot of hard grit work from the beginning. And I wrote this in my notes the other day and it was kind of like brought a tear <laughs> to my eye, but um, probably from, I don't even know from the time of my parents divorced. So like nine or 10, all the way leading up to 17, 16, 17, I thought that my life, so I, a little to go a little back. I'm from a small town. Um, dreams aren't, they're big, but they're not that big. They're right. not worldly big, you know? Um, so I thought that my destiny, my future was to work on the farm and then marry a farmer and then <laughs> keep working on the farm and have babies yeah. and then give the babies the farm and then retire. <laughs> so, which is great. I mean, I'm not crapping on that at all. There's so much work that goes behind a farm family totally. that like no one, I mean, I could do a whole two hour oh, episode. Cheers to the yeah, farmers. No. So like that's, yeah. that's not actually me. Um, saying it wasn't like good enough or anything for me. That's not it. It wasn't that I, I couldn't hack it. Yeah. So it, that's literally what it came to down to is I watched my dad suffer and I tried to help him, you know, my grandma, like it was a generational thing of just this up and down is so freaking hard to do. And I knew it wasn't for me. I knew that my anxiety, my level of nervousness, it just was <laughs> no go, no go for me. Um, so the farm went up for sale. Yeah. And my dad wanted to retire and he offered it to me and I said, nope, which was a really hard discussion for us. But then he's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. So if this isn't what oh, you're going to do, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, that's the first time I think anyone's ever asked me that. Yeah. And going into college, I was, I don't know. So I took business because <laughs> it was open. <laughs> and I was like, everything's a business. So this, which this should surely apply. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I'll, we can get into that in a few minutes, but later on leads into where I found myself and then I can go back into those hindsight moments of being like, Hmm, I really did want to do that. I mm -hmm. just didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's just it, you know, as the saying goes, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. but I feel like our dreams and ambitions are an ever evolving kind of thing. And I Always. don't think that they should be something that it's just like, just because you decided today that this is who you wanted to be when you achieve that, maybe you want to be something else. Could maybe you imagine if we were all, what we wanted to be at like between that five to seven age range. Cause oh, I'd man. be a marine biologist. What would you be? <laughs> oh, when I was five to seven, like a Hollywood actress. Oh, okay. Like, I thought you were going to yeah. be about to say astronaut. I no, like, no. I was always just like mesmerized with the camera yeah. and just like yeah. movies and music and just like such a performer. Yeah. So, that's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, if we could like, do you know what I mean? That like one first, Totally. Goal we always have. Yeah, everyone well, has one. And they're usually like these pillar things. But. Girlfriend, we could still be rock stars in our life. There is <laughs> not me. Time I mean, that. you guys have not heard me sing. I'll be the backup dancer. This is <laughs> you'll be a hype girl. Lindsay's yeah. all the music. Yeah, it's all good. It's, I appreciate music. I just suck at it. So 
That's okay. Oh, dude, I went to the Brian Adams concert last week. I was supposed and, to go. Yeah, it um yeah. I mean, I feel like I should just forewarn the public that I'm an extremely obnoxious person to be at rock shows. No, because it's I not just obnoxious. can't sit down. It's like you're an energy. Man. Yeah, well, why would I you sit at a concert? Just it watch it on TV literally if you want to sit at a concert. Max level energy and excitement for me. I appreciate live music so yeah. unbelievably much that it's just like, I grew up in a household where I was always surrounded by music. Like yeah. my brother is an incredibly talented musician aunts, uncles, my mom can play the guitar. Like I grew up singing. Like, you guys have I, no idea. Actually, like it goes down to like kids cousins, uncles, aunts, like everyone can like play an instrument. So I'm waiting for the bell or you know, whatever family reunion where it's just like this big giant oh, like man. orchestra or people. And I'm going to just sit there. I'm going to be the right. round girl in the oh, front. Like, <laughs> and I just like, honestly, I'm so grateful that like, that was so encouraged in my family yeah. to sing loud. You know, so loud. my, my dad always said to me, honey, sing with great exuberance. And like, it just, yeah, it uh, I it was something that was highly encouraged and Do you wanna know what's crazy? It just it pops in my head. Lay it on me. My dad, I've never I've heard him sing once in my life. <laughs> my dad. And I asked him, actually, this is as an adult, I said dad, like I sing and it's bad. And that's okay, but I know it's bad. But I sing because it feels so freaking good to so sing, right? So we're singing and I'm like, Dad, I know you know this song. Come on, sing with me, sing with me. And he's like, No, I won't sing. I'm like, okay, come on, let's do some inner child work. Why don't you want to sing to <laughs> And he's like, I got made fun of once when oh, you, and no. this is like, it broke, I actually was in tears because it broke my heart, but he was made fun of when he was a little boy for singing because he, I got the singing gene from him. I oh, think okay. he sucks too. Oh. But, so, so anyway, but I think he got made fun of for it. And then he was just like, never again. And I'm, I'm not going to sing ever again. No one's going to hear that voice. And that broke my heart. Yeah. Then I'm like, you'll, Right. Like we should always oh, sing. If there's a yeah. lesson in this podcast, totally. just keep singing. Instead oh. of keep swimming, just keep singing. It's okay. We like 95% of us suck. Well, so. <laughs> and it just honestly, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't. singing and dancing just feels good. And, and I can I sing Aspen to sleep, shitty voice and all. Right. Like she doesn't <laughs> she care. It's just it. the good vibe of singing. It. So yeah. yeah. Um, but so to go back, so I'm typing out these things. And I'm like, Justine, where was your first ambition? Like it actually it stumped me a little. Yeah. And then I like was like a little upset with myself of being like, oh no, which is great. Like these yeah. are great conversations that I'm now starting to have with myself that maybe I would have never had. Um, but I go back to this memory and it's it's pretty lame, but I'm going to share with you. So <laughs> we used to have a bunch of VHSs because if you don't know what that is, it's a video on a tape. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just realized how old I sounded because they weren't even DVDs, which I'd still have to explain. For our younger listeners. <laughs> okay. FYI. So my dad loved, he was a movie buff. So he had all the VHSs. <laughs> Anyway, so he had all the VHSs. So I would get all of our TV trays, like all the things in the house that I could to set up like stands. Mm -hmm. And I would make like a blockbuster in our living room. Oh, so again, nice. to the young kids, blockbuster. You used to go rent movies for like a couple days. It was the best. Um, like Netflix, but in a store. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, yeah, so, but I would set that up and I would like, I was an only child technically. I have siblings, but they're so much older that I was raised alone. Um, so I played by myself and my imaginary friends and I had a video store and keep going. And I had all these moments of like 
remembering playing by myself, but I was always running a business. Oh, really? Fast you were forward. entrepreneurial. Yeah. So fast forward to hindsight to where I am sort of today of I own a business and my husband and I started a business together, but I didn't ever know that was my ambition. And I went into business. I got my BA. So it's like, I didn't ever know, but I knew, like, I, I think I knew, but I didn't ever really know. <laughs> you well, know, you know what, to your point about you weren't sure what to take in school. So you took business. Yeah. I just want to reinforce that exact same point. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. But it was great because just everything is a business. So useful. So, Those yeah. skills are so useful. Yeah. So productive. I originally went to college. It'll for... get you a job anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Honestly. In, and not maybe in the best position, but it'll get you a job anywhere. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I originally went to get a bachelor of arts and then carry on to become a lawyer after that. And I got there and was just like, um, <laughs> I I I'm in the wrong part of arts. Exactly. <laughs> so then I took a semester of music, which like the right part of arts. Yeah, that. exactly. Except I was just busy partying all the time. And my voice was not in incredible shape at that time of life. And when I went back the following year, I knew that I just needed to get a business education yeah. because it would apply to everything. And That's it really why I took it. And it does. And it was so, that or educate like a teacher, an totally. education degree. And I was like, okay, but education is education. Like mm -hmm. I'm stuck is and not stuck, but that's my stream yeah. is teaching in some capacity. And I didn't know if that was 100% what I wanted to do. And when I looked at business, I was like, okay, Justine, logically, everything is a business. Yeah. A college is a business. A business is a business. You know, like everything is a business. Exactly. A charity is a business, yeah. even to its like fine points, right? So I feel like it could apply anywhere. So that's why I took um, it. But... Did you like work throughout college <laughs> and university? Did you yeah. waitress? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, grateful. Shout out to my dad if he listens to the podcast. Or <laughs> he probably won't. But if he does, I mean, my dad did pay my rent. Yeah. So I, I will give him. That shout out. So that was great. I didn't have to have to worry about my rent, but I still had to worry about, I mean, every other bill and my tuition and I got student loans and did, yeah. did it the, the way everyone else usually does it. But I partied a lot of my student loans away. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like I oh, look back dude. and I'm like, did I really need 40 grand Ooh. in student debt? You know and what? I was like, no, but we had some great parties totally. Right? and some great memories and some really great friends. And I'm still to this day, like, really close friends with two of the girls I went to college with and I don't live near them but we talk nearly every week and mm -hmm. we keep in and they're my one a couple of my best girlfriends so college is wonderful and it was worth it everyone it was you get to do really fun dress up totally. night and you know what I student loans the they give nights. you a long time to pay a mess they yeah. do they're really graceful with it <laughs> Well, it's like, you know. And student loan isn't bad debt. No. Actually, like I was informed that when someone looks at your credit score and they see student loans, they don't factor in it as bad debt because it's good debt. Exactly. Because you have an education. Exactly. So unless you didn't complete it <laughs> or something. But anyway. I think it's so day. important for kids to work while they're in school yeah. and just like, you know, continue to grow their responsibilities. And, you know, my parents paid my tuition and yeah. all my books and, but I had to pay my rent yeah. and all my other expenses. And so both of our parents helped in some capacity, totally. but it was still on us in other capacities. Well, to and it's figure like, it out. I worked as a waitress in Grand Prairie during the heyday. I was red tier. Like, <laughs> it was a boom in Grand Prairie, and it was a very yeah. profitable time to work in that industry. And 
If you would have told me at that time that my business card would eventually say financial advisor, I would have laughed in your <laughs> face because I had so much fun at that time of life. Like, and mine's different. Just... I came out of high school in the recession. Oh, and I was a server right. in the recession. I forget because we are we're a few years apart. Yeah. So, but but not many. But yeah. it is it is the difference between literally her serving in a boom where yeah. people were like hundies, 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 <laughs> and like me serving in a recession where it's like quarter. Quarter, quarter. <laughs> and it's okay. Like, I mean, we all do what we can, but um, I still had a great experience serving. Yeah. I'll never do it again. Serve. No. If you, if you, you need to. Like, I mean, Lindsay and I have had this conversation that we truly believe, and our children will have to work in the service industry in Absolutely. some capacity before they graduate college because I think uh, you need to. Yeah. Because we all use the service industry and you need to know how it feels to be treated like crap. So you don't treat people <laughs> like crap. Like honestly, at the end of the day, to give them some grace because yeah. it's a true thing. Um, That's fair. So anyway, I don't, it's great to be a server. And if you're still doing it, kudos to you. Cause I couldn't do it. I actually got fired because my boss told me I had a resting bitch face when I went Aww. to tables, which is okay. I did. Cause I didn't want to be there, Right. <laughs> but it's Fair okay. Enough. So I own a business now, yeah. so it's fine, but it is, you have to, it was a hard, it's a hard career to be a, a waitress. So, okay. You just mentioned coming out of school during the recession yeah. and I can picture us both in two very different stages of life. Justine mm -hmm. was graduating from high school. I was graduating from university yeah. at that time. So both facing hardships yeah. in such a crazy way. What did you want to do when you came out of high school? Did you know? I had no idea. No, no, I was, I, ooh, I was pretty blind. I was, I don't know if I was in a bad space. I think I was just in like a growth. Mm -hmm being on my own. Like mm -hmm. I had just moved out. Um, I was on my own and that was fun. And so just getting to like, you know, learn life a little bit. And I don't, I graduated from Red Deer, so a bigger high school, but growing up in Delburn, I didn't really know. I don't really think I put an emphasis on education. Right. To be honest, I was like, okay, like, yeah, you get a degree and that's your job. So, so what? So maybe I'm going to take two years and not have a career and then I'll go get a career. So that was kind of my mindset. And then I was like, oh, I need a career. <laughs> like I really don't like serving and I kind of worked in a couple of jobs and didn't really um, find my passion. I knew what I was good at, um, but I just didn't know. So I knew it was time to go to college. And then I, obviously I continued serving. I worked at a couple car dealerships, mm -hmm. worked in like landscaping, which <laughs> I didn't actually do the landscaping. I did the bids. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but anyway, I, uh, yeah, I just, I had a kind of wild ride of careers throughout college. And then when I came out of college, um, I met my husband, Tyler, right. Um, we weren't married in college, but throughout college I met him and, uh, we got pregnant and then we were like, Hey, let's start a business. And I was like, okay. So it wasn't his dream. It was, or sorry, it was his dream, not my dream, but I was so down to build this business and we got to build it from the ground up. So I got to build like the HR, the safety, the protocols, the procedures, like everything was built through me. And right. that I found so much passion Absolutely. In because it was my husband's passion. Yeah. And then it became my passion and we started getting employees and, you know, it just started growing. And then eventually to a couple of years later where it got to the capacity where I had to back myself out because mm -hmm. I did not have the education or the experience to do that job anymore, which is great for the business. Um, but yeah. Well, I mean, being the CFO of the size of company that you and your husband own yeah, is no. a it wasn't in my repertoire. <laughs> job. Yeah. It's a very no. large job, and I mean, and also like really stressful. And I it totally. just led to my husband and I fighting too much that it was like our marriage or the job. Yeah, and we chose marriage. Of obviously. course, absolutely so, yeah. easy. Yeah, too easy. You know, yeah. like it was a no brainer. 
Well, yeah. and do you still feel comfortable with just, you know, how you helped build this business and what you helped create with your husband, but shifting your priorities to the family? Because I know that yeah. it's just like, you have so many other passions as well. It's like, you know, you've built this business. And yeah. the cool thing for Justine and I is that we get to work together side by side as community ambassadors mm -hmm. for their so business. Great. We organize events. We talk to local organizations, we um, speak on behalf of the company at public functions. And I just, this business is so innovative and so, so cutting edge. It wasn't edge. until you, I came back into the business. And so this is like, she doesn't know how important she is. Um, but she, uh, you know, I talked about in episode one, you've lit up my life and you've continued to keep it light even when I'm dark, which is hard because I'm usually the light. Aww. in people's lives um but Lindsay was like hey and like you know she's a computer community person she's a people person she's just a she's such a great person anyway so my husband had this idea for an event and tickety-boo here we are we're working together side by side um but it's the best position I've came back in as a business owner oh. and so it's I struggled for a long time after I backed out of the business I'm still a business owner at that point but I never felt like a business owner mm -hmm. after that I felt like we cut me out so hard and so fast because we needed to for our marriage to survive. Right. That it was like all of a sudden it was like cold, you know, like <clears throat> let's remove her so we're okay. And then he, um, he uh, just stopped kind of communicating with me about the business right. because it was too stressful for us. And I didn't have a role in the business anymore. So what was the point really of like minus like his thoughts, obviously, and worries? We talk about that, but day to day stuff we just really won't talk about. And then I eventually felt like this gap between us because I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know what's going on and this is your life. And I feel like our lives are just too separate. And so anyway, Lindsay and all this stuff comes together and he's like, you need to be in the community. Mm -hmm. That's what makes you happy. And I'll go into it later. We need to talk about Lindsay for a little bit, but, um, community philanthropy, that's my vibe. And I found that passion after I had my first baby, but coming back into the business as that has been monumental not only for our business but for my marriage because oh. we get so excited about the business instead of hating it now well and so. honestly girlfriend you have stepped back in in such a beautiful authentic easy natural yeah. cool way and that's who you are like that mm -hmm. is literally who you are and it has been uh, an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this journey with you and your husband, because I love everything about your business. I love everything about working with you. Yeah. We literally have the best conversations of life. And and her and Tyler get together and I just sit there. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their creative brains just start Me blowing and up. And I'm a like, special bond. We're buddies. <laughs> We're yeah. just two creatives that have, you know, mega um, ideas. So I'm going to circle it back to you. Um, I want to know how like the ambition for Elbel came about. Like, so I know, I know your story a little bit. I know we're like on the clock, but I just want to know how like your, how your career progressed from coming out of college into the recession, like we talked about. And I know you've done a few things. So if you want to share about that and like how it led you into Elbel eventually. 
Yeah, I mean, like, that's a really great story, because it really does kind of explain why I've landed where I've landed today. And, you know, coming out of college in 2009 was a crazy time. Here I had this incredible bachelor's degree, I had worked so hard to get it. And I just figured that with that <laughs> piece of paper, somebody was just going to give me a wicked job a wicked, and go pay it. Wicked benefits, benefits <laughs> like lunch break, <laughs> $70,000 a year, like, exactly. Um, but unfortunately, it was a really, really tough time to be out job hunting. And I think I went on something like 30 interviews that summer and I did get offered a few positions. However, um, it was either not enough or too much or like it was just there was always something where it was just like I was overqualified or I was underqualified. It just didn't make sense for where I wanted to take my career. And so I spent the following nine months after I graduated uh, waitressing again at Earl's uh, local restaurant here. And, you know, it's a hot spot for business professionals. And I knew it would be a great opportunity for me to network yeah. and meet people. And it was through that waitressing job that I was able to secure a position as an account manager for the rock radio station here in Grand Prairie. Which we both have in common. Exactly. We both work <laughs> for radio stations and, um, but yeah, that's where I really fell in love with sales. I had always been in sales my whole life, whether it was selling shoes at the local athletic <laughs> store or, you know, slinging drinks at the bar. Um, I've always been in sales, but that's where, you know, having the title of account manager and actively seeking out business and on the was, relationship, because the I feel like, like selling shoes and serving, that's a very short term relationship. Totally. But when you come into more of like that mature sales role in like a radio company, yeah. that's like a client, that's like yeah. a rapport you have to build. So it's more than like a hour long relationship <coughs> or less, you know, totally. It's yeah. not transactional. It's relationship that's selling. Yeah. And, um, I had secured myself that nice cushy salary and benefits. Yeah. However, three months later, an opportunity came up for me to sacrifice my salary <laughs> in favor of a commission based book of business. And I took one look at that client list and was like, yeah, I'll do it. This is a risk I'm willing to take. I can service these clients. I can take care of them. I can build this book. And I just killed it. I killed it in radio. And it. by the time I was 25 years old, I was making six figures selling radio advertising and creating relationships that still serve me to this day. Still. Still to this still. day, girlfriends. Those still. relationships that I cultivated at 25 years old yeah. are still paying dividends And today. they have served you in every career change. Almost. Every career change. I mean, not all of them, obviously, yeah. but there are clients that you have pulled from your old, well, it's like, you know, I had a, I had a client when I made the decision to leave radio and just kind of level up my career in a way that I felt was a, you know, vertical move for me as a sales professional. And I got my insurance license. I broke the news to one of my radio clients that this was what I was going to be doing. And the very first thing he said to me was, congratulations, Lindsay, let me know as soon as you start, I'll move everything over to you. Yeah. And exactly. just like immediately already built that relationship of trust. Totally. Like they trust you. They know. So happy yeah. to support me. And from there, I spent eight years in financial services, continuing to build these relationships, building new ones. And, and I'm not going to say like, no, not more high caliber, but just a lot more high stress. Complex, more technical, yes, that's bigger numbers. Yes, thank you for you the know, words, like, exactly. my word was not right. But yes, that's well, what I was meaning is just a lot more detail. Totally. And like 
life insurance yell. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Don't yeah. Around with that. Um, you know, I went from having meetings in local coffee shops to having them Corporate on the forty eighth floor yeah. of some sky rise in Calgary, you know. So it just like it was definitely a and vertical conferences move. and speaking at conferences. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. So, you know, my time in that industry was incredible. I loved it. I was so passionate about it. I still am passionate about insurance. I'll, you know, express that passion for the rest of my life. However, appreciation. that industry <laughs> lacks, you know, a certain amount of color that me as a person just naturally has, color. right? <laughs> well, I'm not all black I'm right kidding. now, but like, but she changed just... so she didn't match me. Like yeah. I'll, I'll vouch for that because we were too matchy matchy. Um, and I just felt like I needed a creative outlet. I loved what I was doing, but I needed some way to just feel creative, fulfilled, inspired. And to me, that came down to sharing my knowledge and experience in sales with women so that they could be successful. Yeah. I have only ever been paid on commission in my life. I Every dollar I've ever earned has been a direct result of my best efforts. And I just feel like I have so much to share with women who are out there selling, ambitious women who have so, something to and sell. And we talked about this earlier, like we touched base on it a little bit of like, why you're so passionate about women and women and being women being shameless and women in sales and like i said we touched earlier because <laughs> unfortunately a lot of times we have to bark a lot bigger than our bark to be seen mm -hmm. do you know what i mean or yeah. um we have to do a lot more work to be heard it just it, and it shouldn't be but Lindsay's done it for 20 years like yeah i mean so you but you've just went through the experiences i think like if there's anyone to speak to women in sales well and to be honest women have historically been some of my toughest customers <laughs> and so it's just like <laughs> the fact that i have learned to um treat them with respect and yeah. to honor them as the intelligent women that they are and to so meet them kindness. where they're at and to listen intently and and actively to what they're saying to me like it's just like i've spent a lot of time with women over the years and it's just important to me to help break down that barrier that we have between women sometimes yeah. like it's just not necessary girlfriends like well it's not and i mean you just said it you said it to a t it was like i have to show with so much show up with so much kindness and understanding because as women most of us feel like when another woman's approaching us with something, it's a target or totally. they're, in, they're insulting us or they're trying to be better than us. Or like, it's a competition. It's just like an instant dart up. Like, yeah. ah, totally. alert, cute woman coming. Like I need to be <laughs> mean like, I, or just whatever it is. Like, you know, it's just these, yeah. And eight things that we shouldn't have for sure. But it does again, why you should speak to this forever because you've just experienced so many of the situations um you've come away with so much knowledge and learned so, so much you know back to your question about l bell i was driving to calgary on um just before new year's eve one year two little kids in the back seat <laughs> roads were terrible it took us like 15 hours to get there it should have taken us eight and you were going to see and, a friend yeah going yeah. to visit my best girlfriend to spend the week and celebrate the new year together and the whole way on this drive i was talking to my husband about the power of online training and online courses and we talked about my sales experience and the um 
situations that I have to share and the challenges that I faced and what I did to overcome them and just the what I've learned all and the things. exactly yeah, the like all the, the bad, things. the yeah, ugly. The and things. it's just like, man, have I messed up sometimes, but I've also had some massive wins and I do know the how car to dance parties. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the, that was the seed of El Bell Sales Co. I went to my friend's house in Calgary. I told her and her husband all about this idea for this sales training for women. They were both immediately stoked. We literally spent the next week just like brainstorming together. I sat in my girlfriend's basement one day and she just sat on the couch next to me reading a book. And I sat there on my computer smashing away, just like hammering out all of my ideas for El Bell Sales Co. And it just really started to take on a life of its own from there because I couldn't stop thinking about it. I would wake up in the middle of the night and have to come into my office and write down my ideas and fill out my whiteboard. And it just evolved at such a rapid rate. But then almost immediately after establishing this business, I had a big launch party. It was incredibly <laughs> successful. Um, COVID hit. And, right? All we don't worry. We're not going to talk about that. That was COVID. Like, okay. That was oh. the only one time we give that motherfucker a plug. <laughs> and I'm going to swear in that moment. That's the only plug. Okay. Um. So I'll gloss over that. But <laughs> that year, I you can uh, tell this is unedited. That year, I really that. got to a point within myself as as a saleswoman, as a professional, as, you know, an ambitious woman, as a creative woman. But to dive into you. Totally. I mean, like, there's, like, a lot of shitty things we can say about that, and I could go on and on. But there was a lot of time for introspection and growth. If, well, if people took it. I mean, it was a hard mental space to be in. But if you totally. took it, there was a lot of time. It rocked my world. It yeah. honestly rocked my world. And as much as I had to sit and stew in some really uncomfortable feelings that year, it gave me a lot of clarity. And... It just it also reshaped the online world. Totally. I think a lot like opening it up for like, as you were saying with El Bell as being like online sales. But yeah, also you know. my sales training is designed to teach women how to sell face to face. Oh, for sure. In person. For sure. Yeah, and yeah. so I launched this right <laughs> before this year of like, you can't see people in person. And so it just like, I felt like I had this kind of like catastrophic loss of identity but it wasn't your fault it was no, no it was exactly just like but yeah yeah and so anyways it just like i went through a kind of life shake up and we'll save that for another podcast but it put me in the position to pursue my passions with El bell sales yeah. Co full time and that's why i'm here today because i spend every day hanging out with cool people doing cool stuff Totally. Planning cool projects, cool events. Not always me. There's other cool um, people mostly too. You. Mostly me. Mostly there is other cool people. Yeah. There's lots of other cool people too. Lots. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the origin of El Bell. And I mean, I just feel so grateful and thankful to everyone who's supported me so far. And just, yeah. you know, I, I've definitely had a few not non-supporters. That's okay. Yeah. But that's you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, again. Yeah, that's it. That's them going away <laughs> in like our energy space. Yeah. So, you know, like it's, it's not, it's okay. Um, not everyone, again, I said this on the first podcast, not everyone has to like me or us or love the podcast or whatever. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not out there for the haters. I'm just out there for the lovers. So if you're a hater, just pass on. If you're a lover, love on. And that's, oh, that's kind man. of it. You love hard girlfriend. I love and really I love hard. so much. Like, yeah. And that's actually something I've like in that growth, I've learned that it's not a flaw. It's, it's a good thing. And absolutely. I just, it's okay. It's okay that I love hard and I cry really hard too. <laughs> it's okay. I feel really hard. So, uh, yeah, but the, the point of this conversation is, and I think that there's points that 
later in conversation we'll dive into um is that our our passions our ambitions are always evolving and it doesn't even matter if it's like our close circle of life that's changing it could be like the external that we're not ever going to mention again that changes that changes our ambitions mm -hmm. and our passions like we're not always in control but we're in we're in control of how we react and how we pivot and um how we move our ambitions and how we shift and shape and um we're always in control of that so i think that is important to know and always remember that it's okay if your ambitions shift and it's okay Absolutely. to try an ambition and be like oh that that didn't work. <laughs> that was a, nope, thought it a different way. Cool. We're going to go this right. way. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Like it's, God, I don't even know. Like I wish I could like sit down all like the big inventors of the world, like the Elon Musk's and the, just the big brains of the world and be like, how many times did you fail? on just totally. one singular idea. Tell me how many times you failed until it morphed. We even had this conversation at Shameless with yep. Michelle Romano. I was just of, thinking like, about that. Of yes. how many times she failed on one singular idea, but that one singular idea and all the failures morphed into this world-class business. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's okay that they morph and I think it's normal that they do. And that's just the regular progression of it. Right. Absolutely. So, um, I left on site, I found yoga and I found my life. Yeah. You like did. I literally, and I don't, I don't really teach in a public space anymore, but I found me, I found me at, at its deepest level, but I'm able to take that into the community now with mm -hmm. onsite, you know? So it just, they always come full circle. And I think like we said earlier, hindsight, like if you want to sit there as you've, or we're wrapping up our podcast here and you're going to sit there and you're going to end it. And I want maybe to ask you to reflect and like, think about some of your childhood ambitions and maybe, maybe you'll have some hindsight of where you are today. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful thing to do is to just sit and think about what you wanted to be when you were a kid <laughs> and how your ambitions have changed and just honor the fact that, you know, what you did want to be when you were a kid is probably actually still a pretty Oh my God, I still love dolphins. Like a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, um, swam with them multiple times. So, yeah, but it's I just know. like, I think it's just important to just honor those big dreams and to just be okay with or them. maybe bring and one like, back totally bring like, one did back you snuff like, one out when you were 10 because you thought it was too big or you 12 totally. and you thought it was too big it, it's probably not too big exactly no and it's just worth yeah. chasing with reckless abandon and shameless ambition because yeah. man i feel like we're making our dreams come true every day i mean every podcast we do i feel i get these um <laughs> weird goosebumps when we come to the end <laughs> and we're like um maybe one day we'll uh video our happy dance that Ooh, we do after yeah, but i get yeah. goosebumps like head to toe because um and my grandma always used to tell me justine when you get goosebumps it means you're in the right place at the right, right. time i love that so i love that i'm in the right place at the right time well and honestly on that note like i think we just got to wrap it up on that note right place right time we hope that you are enjoying hanging out with us we are so excited to yeah release another episode next week. Should we tell them who our guest is next week? Yeah. She, she doesn't even know it yet. But. <laughs> it's okay. She loves us a lot. So exactly. she'll forgive us. And, and she's she, a gorgeous human being. And like, she embodies just, shameless ambition. So I'm sure we could tell her to be like, hey, hey come over for a drink. Yeah, we'll and then she'll come and this. then we'll be like, hey. <laughs> no, she will give her some preparation. But. Um, if you've noticed, our Ooh. gorgeous hair if you're watching <laughs> There's the, the video giveaway. version of this you yeah. know we have the world's have best hair. hairstylist yeah. we are so lucky and so fortunate to be treated like queens by the incredibly talented shannon baker and she is 
just an incredible person, a wonderful energy. Yeah. And we honestly are just so excited to have her as our first guest on our podcast. And 100%. so yeah, let's call her after this and tell her she's that me. she's our just first kidding. guest. <laughs> no, we don't put on she's probably doing hair no, right now. So is. yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. But yeah, uh, we'll call her after and let her know we already announced it. Um, too late. <laughs> she's a cool chick and you're going to want to tune in because yeah. we'll be talking all about her ambitions and especially her education in her ambitions yeah. because this woman is brilliant and smart and just inspiring inspiring exactly yeah like we can't like wait really to share inspiring. shannon with you yeah yeah but just for the hour though. just That's for the it. hour though <laughs> just yeah kidding. And then she's ours so. then she's always ours yeah okay cheers girlfriend <laughs> cheers cheers thank you for joining us listeners we love you very much and appreciate every single one of you we'll who tune in with friday. us we'll see you next friday have a great week